0: One of the things with, with e-commerce, especially with trying to get to somebody that doesn't know you, is that they're, they're trying to make the decision of, do I buy from you, do I not buy from you? When you pick up the phone, they know you're real. Trust And it's difficult to, to say no when it's somebody that you trust.
1: Welcome to the High Voltage Business Builders Podcast, a show where we interview high voltage entrepreneurs growing and scaling through e-commerce, real estate, and other Wealth Without Wall Street ventures, showing you the path to making your first or next million. So there's the, yeah,
0: there's the EcomX, which is the, so we do customer experience where we, we tackle four different customer touch points to enhance cost per acquisition, average order value, lifetime value from a phone call perspective. Oh, interesting. And so we, we add an additional 20% top line revenue. We average between 400, 600% ROI on that without, it's like a bolt-on service. It doesn't impact negatively your other channels like email or SMS or Google or TikTok or affiliates. So that's one thing. That's one of the things we do. The other thing we do is we also have an education platform called Ecom Masterminds. Okay. And so it's uh,
1: full spectrum, full spectrum, and predominantly focused on the direct to consumer channel, if I understand correctly. And Absolutely. Shopify, yeah. WooCommerce, or other platforms, I assume. Or do you work predominantly with one platform? So,
0: right. Yeah. So, right now with OptimizeX, we've, we're fully integrated with Shopify, Shopify Plus. We are in the process of releasing ClickFunnels as well as followed by. WooCommerce yeah. or WordPress following that. Okay. And then right now, predominantly, well, only exclusively on Facebook ads. Um, and, uh, we're in the process of wrapping up Google ads and TikTok ads yeah. as our next integration.
1: So the, one of the challenges I think we've got out here, and some people may know this and some may be facing this shortly as they go out to try to start Facebook marketing or other marketing is, is tracking is a big issue, especially after recent updates. Can you give us some insights into sure. what, some of the things you faced and maybe why you're trying to create a solution with OptimizeX to solve that problem? Sure. So historically... Facebook used to be, and
0: still probably is, but they're just lacking some of the data to be able to be as effective as they used to be. But Facebook is arguably one of the most advanced behavior prediction engines in the world, well, consumer, consumerly available behavior prediction engines in the world, because Facebook simply had access to a lot of data. And so as a result, you didn't have to be a great marketer to have great results on Facebook. You just had to have a product people wanted, access to the Facebook pixel and a design, or at least a, a design that, that enhanced the customer experience from click to purchase. As long as you had those in place, Facebook was very predictable and could generate you wild results. Unfortunately, with what Apple did last April 21st with iOS 14.5, Apple wanted to prevent consumer data from being shared with third parties without the consumer's consent. Yes. And so as a result, Facebook falls into that third party tracking category. And so 76% of Apple users have opted out of Facebook tracking, Mm. which means collectively, Facebook has access to 24% of iOS users where previously they had a lot more. Mm-hmm. And so as uh, the major impact on brands is that if you're using Facebook as a channel to drive traffic for paid traffic, well, you you don't have access to the amount of data that you would have, you or that you would have access to previously. And so that means you're going to spend four times more on your ads to get the same amount of data. Right. And that's assuming, that's presuming that you even have the right amount of data. I mean, who's to say that in that 24% bracket, does that really represent your buyer? Mm-hmm. And so probably not, mm-hmm. right? So you have access to limited data. And so it's it's caused a, a major pain point yeah. considering that there were 12.8 million Facebook advertisers as of April of last year. Now there's 6.2 million. Wow, active. it's dropped that far. Yeah, it's it's an incredible, incredible drop. And you know, you could say COVID had a, had a its play with yeah. that. But I look at it as if you're unable to generate profitable, Returns from your traffic, yep. you're not going to continue paying for traffic with yeah. without seeing the results. Well, it's that first click to and sale to, ratio,
1: right? Especially with a lot of new advertisers. I mean, they're trying to make that first profit on that first click to sale, which mm-hmm. isn't always how ecom works, or really actually should work in most people's minds. It's about the acquisition, no matter what the cost is. How do I make that profitable mm-hmm. if I beat somebody else to the sale? But most new sellers or Facebook marketers don't understand that, and they're trying to adapt that. So. They're spending and have been, in my experience, and I think you may echo this in yours, that they're spending a lot more money to get testing and data and information out of a smaller segment of user base to try to validate that their product is even willing to be purchased by somebody who's never heard of their brand sure. before.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's uh, it's it's a big problem. And so this is where... So I, actually, there, I guess I'll, I'll kind of go into a storytelling mode here. Like when this happened, I mean, we own the largest Irish jewelry brand in the US. It's called Celtic Knot Jewelry. So, it's a direct to consumer brand. We sell starting silver jewelry to an Irish audience. So, Celtic, Irish, pagan audience. And we've done, we've done quite well with Facebook ads. But when Apple introduced their update, I thought that we were, we were ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought that we were, like I thought everything was okay. We were using a tool called Trackify at the time. They said that they're fully prepared for the changes that were about to happen. And so we believed and we'd used them for four years up to that point. And when Apple introduced their update, we saw a major hit. I mean, we promote predominantly during holidays. And so Mother's Day being a big holiday for us as well. And so we were getting ready for our Mother's Day trend or Mother's Day campaigns. And man, it, just, it flopped so hard, Ouch. harder than any of the campaigns that we've, we have promoted previously to that point. And so it, it became obvious after Mother's Day, well, leading up to Mother's Day, that, okay, we've got to change something. And so we came up with two ideas. One idea was, okay, if we don't have access to user data because people are opting out. If we don't have access to user data, then we've got to find a way to acquire that user data and find a way to monetize that prior to the purchase. And so we, start, we started thinking, well, what if we do top of funnel lead gen? Mm-hmm. And so that, that became one, one goal, one objective that we began working on. And so we started to do giveaways. Well, well we were doing giveaways prior to this, but we, didn't, we weren't doing them as aggressively um, up to this point, but we do like $1,000 giveaways during a holiday. So we do that for lead gen to get people into our list. And then we give away products throughout the, you know, every Friday we have a giveaway, somebody wins some jewelry up to the point of the holiday where we have a thousand dollar cash giveaway. And then so we started to do that top of funnel. And then that resulted in, well, if we're generating all these leads, how do we monetize these sooner than just the the average 28 to 30 day turnaround time from the time they enter our list to the time they buy? Like how do I reduce them? And so we wanted to. Well, i say wanted to, we, we ended up going to the Philippines. Mm-hmm. We opened a call center in the Philippines. I'd actually been here previously. We had a, a call center from 2008 to 2013. So like I, I understood the logistics in and outs of it, but we were doing it with info products and diet products and teeth whitening products and hair loss products. And so I thought maybe we could get this to work also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we, were, we started to doing I started to do phone dials to that list and that performed horribly because we had people that they, they were opting in for something you free and all of a sudden we're calling doesn't work hundred percent a time <laughs> oh man it, it flopped so hard yeah but then we started thinking well we've already invested in the infrastructure we've already invested in the training of these of these teammates yeah. these team members so how can we monetize this and so we evolved that into not just doing outbound dials to cold lead gen of people that wanted to get a free thousand dollars and I just found that people that wanted something free didn't want something, what didn't want to pay for something to try and enhance their chances of winning something. And so we we started to approach customer experience as a as a key point. Mm-hmm. And so we started to do outbound dials to abandon checkouts, mm-hmm. which performed incredibly well. So we do this polarizing conversation. So we get on the phone if somebody's abandoned their checkout. We're like, hey, thanks for calling. Or sorry, thanks for your interest in our products. we saw that you were interested in XYZ product. This is Jim Moore with Kelsey Not Jewelry. I'd really appreciate your feedback. We rely on valuable feedback from customers like you. Do you have just a couple of moments to answer some questions that would really be helpful for us? And if they say yes to that, that's our first yes in a series of following yeses that we hope to get out of the conversation. Yeah. So the first yes is, you know, are, do you consider yourself helpful? Can you, know, do you have some time to answer some questions? Yes. Next question is great. So what do you like about the brand or depending on where they came from, what did you like about the video or what did you like about the, our website or our blog or, you know, wherever they came from, what did you like about that? And so this is a polarizing question because we're not asking them, what do you like or dislike, or how could we be better based on your opinion? Yeah. We want them to focus on what they like about us. So they stop actually think, well, I like X, Y, and Z. I like so, these great. things, the, but which. Well, we don't, we things. don't get the, but ah. yeah, we don't get the, but because we're not asking them, give us your advice. Yep. We're asking them, what do you like about this? And they'll tell us, well, I like this and this and this. Then next we'll enhance that. So we'll be like, you know, what do you love about this? This product, you know. So if it's a particular pendant or some earrings, you know, what do you love about this? Yeah. And they'll tell us why I love that it's you know X Y Z. Then from there, we'll we'll kind of fill in the blank for them. We'll say, well, who are you buying this for today? Are you getting this as a gift for yourself or for someone you love? Because we know they're buying it as a gift. We know they want it or they're giving it. So it's almost like a rhetorical question, but we're enhancing that, oh, it's a gift, Mm -hmm. and so of course, let's start playing on that a little bit. Uh Then at that point, we ask them a question like, well, what changed your mind today? What prompted you not to buy or what prevented you from buying? Mm-hmm. And so they'll fill in the blank for us. They'll tell us that, oh, it was too expensive or I don't have enough money today. I'm going to wait till payday or the shipping was too slow or shipping was too much. Whatever the reason is, we have a rebuttal that approaches that, so that the they, or that overcomes yeah. that. Yeah. So like, so now, now we know we've already got them to tell us they're helpful. They want to help us out. Yeah. Two, they like our brand. Three, they love our product. Four, they're buying it as a gift. And five, this is why I didn't buy. Great. Now I I got if any half decent salesperson has everything they need to close the sale. Absolutely. Here's a fifteen percent discount
1: if you buy, you know, right now without you out or you know, here's a twenty five percent. If
0: that if that was the reason why they didn't buy or why so if it was if it was a shipping reason, then I'm gonna give them free shipping. Yep. If it was a cost reason, I'm gonna give them a discount. If it's I don't have enough money today, well, let me put you on a four easy pay payment plan. So depending on what their objection was, we have a rebuttal for that objection, overcome that objection. And so we do that. And then we did the same thing with not only abandoned checkouts, but also with our order confirmations. Mm -hmm. So if somebody orders, Mm -hmm. so one, it helps with chargeback mitigation. Not that we have a lot of chargebacks, but when we do, it kind of sucks, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't like losing that plus a $25 fee. And and so we have the call recorded. So when we get on the call, we just want to confirm, hey, just want to make sure we're sitting at the right place. And I just want to verify your address. It's an expensive product. I just want to make sure you actually get it. So can I verify your address? Thank you. This is what you ordered. Is this correct? Okay, thank you. But now it's our foot's in the door, right? So now it's, oh, well, who are you buying this for today? Kind of conversational of, you know, are you buying this as a a gift for yourself or for someone you love? Start the, you know, build a positive relationship. And then from there, we just enhance the order. So not only have we recorded the call, so just in case they charge back, then great, I've got everything we need to mitigate that. But that's not the real reason why we're calling. The real reason why we're calling is because I want to know what they bought Mm -hmm. so that I can sell them more things just like that to create a higher average order value for that purchase. So doing that, we also expanded into doing outreach to all of our engagements. We have personalized engagement. So if anybody comments or shares or tags or anything on our post, we have somebody that's responding immediately. We get them into either give them, give us their phone number or we give them ours, or we send them to the links they can buy. So ultimately we get them to purchase. Yeah. And then we also do outreach to anybody that leaves a four or five star positive review, put them into our loyalty program. So this results for us in a 20% additional bump in revenue at nearly a 600% ROI. Wow. And so this was a huge win for us. But that was one of the ideas. Yeah. That was one of the things that we wanted to accomplish and and that we did that successfully. But the second thing is we had to solve attribution. And so that was, you know, we're at major loss for Mother's Day. So we're like, how do we overcome this? And I was going through the release notes of iOS 14.5. And I was looking at it and I was like, okay, wait, all they're doing is preventing third-party data collection. So what if... We create a first-party tracking solution, Mm -hmm. and I I, so I guess my history for this is like I started advertising back in two thousand four, back in a time before there was cloud computing, before the pixel was was code. Yeah, our servers were in our office. (laughs) Yeah, the way that we tracked sales back then is we had a pixel, Mm -hmm. but it was an image. It was a one pixel by one pixel square transparent image tracking image. We hosted that image on our server, Mm -hmm. and we knew that every time that image was called on. It was only called on because we put it on a confirmation page. Yeah. So we knew the, you know who bought, when they bought, how much they bought, how much they paid for, what it was they purchased, as well as all their personal information. It was all in the URL back before the privacy was a big issue. She's the wild, wild west of the internet back then. And I thought, okay, this was first party tracking because we owned it. It was our servers. It was our tracking. It was all of it was ours. So what if we, we do something similar? And it took me a couple months to figure it out. So I started working on it. In May, Mm -hmm. and we solved it by July 21st, but we created a a first party tracking gateway. We stopped, we actually completely removed Facebook from the site altogether. What we found was that if somebody opts out of Facebook, or or, sorry, opts out of Facebook tracking, Mm -hmm. and they go to a website where the Facebook pixel exists, even if we're tracking all the data ourselves, but Facebook tracked it first, Mm -hmm. then that user data gets omitted by Apple. So Apple says, sorry, that person's opted out. You can't have this but we'll give you the click ID. We'll send you just that, but we're not going to tell you who they are. We're not going to, anything that they submit is gone. Yeah. But w- once that goes back to Facebook, for the next 28 days, anytime I send any data, even if I collected a full user profile and then I submit that server side to Facebook, then that data still gets identified through aggregated events measurement as an opt-out event. And so you still have no access to that data because Facebook will scrub it. Yep. And so what we found is that if we just don't let Facebook track it, so we, like our code deploys from the domain, mm-hmm. the code, everything that gets tracked happens, gets tracked on the website. And then all the, all the tracking events get submitted back to the website. So as far as Apple's concerned, it's first party. It's not going to any third party destination. And so we Which would track Which in this ourselves. case would be
1: Facebook's pixel actually being on there. So you simply don't put Facebook's pixel on your lead page. Correct. So they simply can't, or Google or any other tracking. So Apple's it and basically saying- nobody else is tracking this from a third party logistics. So we're willing to let you have that data.
0: Yeah. It's just like, for example, Shopify.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. If somebody if somebody's on a Shopify
0: site and somebody puts in their user information to buy a product from your Shopify store, Apple's not going to prevent that user data from being shared to Shopify because it's Shopify. Right. It's a first party for data collection mm-hmm. and the customer is submitting their information. Yep. And so in the same scenario, when we deploy an optimized X tracking server on somebody's site, it's their tracking server. It's their subdomain that gets, acts as a tracking gateway. Okay. It's We we deploy their pixel from their server, which is on their domain. And all the tracking that happens doesn't leave the website. And so as far as Apple's concerned, it's first party. No data. There's no data loss. And so almost 100% of the data goes to the server. So 99.999% of the data that we track makes it to the server. There are, there are some edge cases like Internet Explorer we can't track. Yeah. I mean, but who uses that, but 0.001% <laughs> of, <laughs> of traffic. It's, it's there. Yeah. There are some. Right. A, so there's a, there's a few browsers like Brave Browser, Opera Browser, Internet Explorer. Who if you're on those, yeah. like they, they stop tracking because they, they prevent tracking natively through their application. Yes. But everything else goes to the server fine. And then once it's off the device, once it's on the server, mm-hmm. that data goes through 98 different data checkpoints before it's ultimately stored, secured. Encrypted and then passed back to Facebook, and so we pass it not as website data but as CRM data. I see. So it's fully user enriched. There's no data scrubbing on Facebook side because the the event was never seen as an opted out event by Apple. Right. So it, pro- it doesn't CRM have to go tracking. through. Yeah, we have so from by the time as long as we track it and as long as it gets into the to the server mm-hmm. to the database, the 99.6 percent of the data that we send to Facebook makes it to Facebook, identified by to a user on Facebook and stays in events manager. If there's a click ID, then it goes to the ad that it originated the, the traffic.
1: I see. To, so that will still let you to yeah. attribute that customer acquisition to the particular ad set or ad in which that original Bingo. click came from because it was tracked in the CRM side of Facebook and it still allows the event manager to fire that transaction backwards, probably more and will definitely more accurately than yeah. leaving it wide open for the standard Facebook pixel, which is going to scrub all that data. Why iPhone users versus Android in this case? Why is it so important? Is, I think I know really so, the answer, be, but is it the value statement? Well, or,
0: I wouldn't say it's as much a value statement. It's because it's iOS is the one that Apple's one that made the change. Okay, So Apple, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but for whatever reason, they walled off their garden mm-hmm. and they said, hey, we're giving Apple users the choice. Do you want to be tracked by the apps that you're using or not? With Facebook, a majority, 76% of Apple users said, no, do not let Facebook track me. Right. Um, Google into the in 2023 is doing the same thing. Well, they're so all had Android users of that
1: display side too anyways, right? I mean, they pulled out a lot of the data and, and based on lawsuits and other issues, they're starting to pull back on certain data. Google's moving towards a cookie a list uh, environment. Well, that was kind uh, of where they, we started, said,
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's Yeah, exactly. That's where we started. There was no cookies back in 2024. Yep. Sorry, 2004. It was an image. Yep. And we went to cookies, then we went to scripts and then... Now you have little software programs running on your, on your website, tracking every thing that you do from, well, some are more thorough than others, but uh, the data that we, the data we track is only based on user activity and user submitted data. So we're not tracking, I mean, Facebook was tracking everything from your microphone to your camera, to your keystrokes, to your applications open, your, your GPS proximity, a lot, Facebook was tracking a lot. We don't track any of that. We just track user activity on the device. From the website that they're on. Yeah. So we fingerprint the device so we know that this device belongs to somebody until they put in their user information. We don't know who owns that device, but once they uh, buy a product or submit a lead or provide any user identifiable data, Mm -hmm. uh, then we associate that. Which is the only ones you really want, anyways. Everyone
1: else is just tire kicking at this point, which you don't really care as much about that data yet until they. Well, we
0: still do. We still do because we track the click ID. And because we're passing it all back as CRM data, well, that is true. Facebook can still match that user. Even if I don't know who it is, Facebook yes. still knows who it is. Right, right. So very it's still, true, va- very it's still valuable for retargeting. Which
1: audiences. would be huge if I'm already in the in the world of e-com and, and I got a store running and I'm spending 10, 20, 50,000 or more a month on my store currently. What's the value? I mean, could I gain 20% back a month just by tracking strong, more you know, stronger, I should say. I was going to say strongly, but that's not really my- a well, stronger there's, there's data three, tracking is going to obviously have an ROI very fast for me.
0: So there's, there's three major, major benefits is one, it's going to, one, you're going to spend, consider that 76% of users have opted out. So if you say collectively 24% of your users are trackable, that means you're going to spend four times more to get the amount of data you need to get your campaigns out of learning phase. Right. Well, now that you get that data back to Facebook, you get out of learning phase more more quickly. I see. So you got to get to fifty re-
1: events, which is the learning phrase for those who may not understand what that means. There's fifty events that have to occur, whether it's lead conversion or something else that triggers, in essence, the algorithm to go out. And I'm going to say this the wrong way. You, you correct me if I'm wrong, but find more people, more data points that match up with the first fifty conversions or f- first fifty events. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. That's yeah. That's that's very correct. So Facebook is a, it's an algorithm, right? It's yep. AI. And so Facebook is going to send people to your website that are most similar to the ones that are engaging in the conversion events that you've designated as your objective for your campaign. So if you want purchase conversion, for example, you need to get 50 conversions a week to stay out of learning for Facebook to optimize that campaign. If you're not getting 50 purchase conversions back to Facebook, even if you are getting 50 purchases, but if those purchase conversions aren't making it back to Facebook, then Facebook's blind to them. Mm -hmm. And if Facebook is blind to them, then... Facebook can't be predictable or can't predictably send people like it that to your website yeah. to buy from you. Right. And so that's the first major point. The second major point is, let's say on average, let's say you have a, a, an average conversion rate of 4% or even 6%, right? So if you've got 4% conversion rate, well, you still have 96% of your buyers or visitors that aren't buying from you. So some of your most profitable ad campaigns aren't even from your cold traffic prospecting but they're from your retargeting campaigns. Mm-hmm. So retargeting people that have taken specific steps on your website, like they saw they saw your page, but not your product, or they saw your product, but didn't add to cart, or they added, or the cart they added to cart, but didn't car, check yeah. out, yep. or they checked out, but didn't buy. So these are very valuable audiences. Unfortunately, if that data is not making it back to Facebook, then those audiences are incomplete. So you can try and bad. define those audiences, but if those users aren't making it into the, into yep. the audiences that you define, then those, those retargeting campaigns
1: don't perform as well. And I can see where so a lot of new users getting... and the new buyers are going to struggle with that, especially most of them trying to get out of learning phase. And since that's come into effect, along with the iOS changes, it now makes sense why you've got only 6 million <laughs> platform yeah. sellers now. Media buyers Then there were 24 million a year ago. You can see how that would obviously kill that. So for people who are like getting going or people who are going What is like kind of the process they would use to say, build it, you know, with a technology like Optimize X and actually employ it into their, into what they're doing today?
0: Uh, What's the question? I didn't understand the question. Well,
1: okay. So if I'm new, if I'm a beginner, if I'm wanting to get started, am I capable of using Optimize X, or is your criteria only with certain people who are already selling or using or maximizing or is it open to everybody? Oh, absolutely. So it's open to everybody. So we actually, so the website's
0: live. It's at OptimizeX.io. So we, we, we do have, we do cater to startups. So we have a, a starter plan that starts at $99 a month, okay. but then we also cater to enterprise level all the way through where we have five different uh, tiers that can go all the way up to $5,000 a month. But this is more for like brands that are doing 5 million a month or more in sales. But if, uh, if you're just a startup, you're doing less than $50,000 a month in sales, then $99 will get you access to, get the, access to your server, get you tracking and getting that data back to Facebook get in order to access. optimize your campaigns, get your audiences dialed in. As well as get your retarget get your lookalike audiences able to populate again.
1: So if I'm getting started, I've got Optimize X and I'm saying sending to a Shopify platform and, and got that configured and moving. And I'm launching a campaign to take advantage of this. What are the criteria I should use to get that first campaign going to really see maximum effort with Optimize X in, in place? So there's a couple of steps you'd want to do. Is one, you'd want to get
0: rid of Facebook. So get get rid of Facebook off, the, off of your page. Take all the pixels so first. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Get the okay. pixel off the page. Yep. So deploy, deploy a tracking server with X. There's a few configurations that you have to make to DNS that we walk you through. It's quite, it takes about 20 minutes. It's not difficult, but there's some steps you have to take to make sure it's done correctly. Okay. You make those configuration changes. And you get the tracking server deployed. You place your pixel from your tracking server on Facebook and or sorry, on your shop by site instead of Facebook's. And then you place your Facebook pixel within your tracking server. So that way the data that would have been tracked from your website is now only tracking from your server instead. I see. So it's so Apple is, has no control over your server. Apple only has control over the device that was on the website. Yep.
1: So very very simple setup. Okay. But just about simple. twenty minutes. It sounds to me like yeah. if I'm going to run a dollar of traffic on Facebook on any type of conversion event from lead to purchase, etc., I want to put something like this in place. Or I'm simply going to be spending four times the amount I would normally do to get through that learning phase and Absolutely. actually get a distribution and true algorithmic traffic off of Facebook, which is what everybody wants, right? Once they get going. Jim, this has been extremely insightful. Obviously, you know your stuff. Your background is, of course, it seems in media buying and e-com, am i mistaken, you've had a pretty good history with this.
0: Yeah. So like, I've been in, in advertising since 2004. I got involved with Facebook ads and e-commerce with Shopify in 2016. And I, I have to say, I know more about attribution now than I did a year and a half ago. I mean, attribution is always like that topic that is like an elusive topic. Mm-hmm. Like you hear about attribution, but more in like in the groups of multi or omni-channel traffic strategies yeah. that you want to know, like how to attribute those sales from which, which channel because each channel attributes sales differently. But now with iOS, I mean, attribution of just getting your data back to the platform that drove the traffic yeah. is incredibly important. And uh, we've solved that. We've essentially, we've solved the biggest problem facing advertisers globally. And we've done it in a very successful and meaningful way.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you can get back 4 your traffic cost and get to the, well past the learning phase and actually get into the real traffic that will help you go scale and build your store. And of course, if you're using some of the strategies you just deployed in terms of call center or follow-up calls, even if you're just your own seller, just pick up the phone and calling those who abandon your car. Could add on a lot of value. You just got the script, folks. If you don't see the value in that, you're missing the whole point, I think.
0: And of course, having an
1: email and SMS follow-up behind that is very powerful too. To stay engaged with your customers. Very, very powerful tips today to add back quite a bit of money, tracking and ROI to your platform. Just extremely invaluable conversation today. So one more time, if people want to get involved and want to learn more about what you're doing, where do they go? OptimizeX.io. OptimizeX.io. Folks, I would encourage you, if you are a direct-to-consumer channel and you're running ads to Shopify, you should go check this out and give it a test run and see if your ROI goes up. I'd love to hear your case studies and stories. Give me some comments and feedback later on, folks. When you get this, let me know how it worked for you. Jim, thank you so much. Any final words and things you'd like to leave the audience with today? No, just actually, I, I guess this is that with e-commerce, the one thing to think about is
0: that at the core fundamental of e-commerce, it's a logistics and supply chain business. Yeah. And so when you're talking about logistics and supply chain, you're talking about how quickly can you get products to your customer and how do you ensure they have a positive customer experience when they receive it Absolutely. from the speed of shipping to the quality of the product to pre and post-purchase communication. We want to make your customer smile. Yeah. And uh, you can do that effectively by, as we just mentioned before, just pick up the phone. And it also, it helps your customer recognize that you're real. Yeah. One of the things with, with e-commerce, especially with trying to get somebody that doesn't know you, is that they're, they're trying to make the decision of, do I buy from you? Do I not buy from you? When you pick up the phone, they know you're real. Trust. And it's difficult to, to say no when somebody that you trust.
1: Yeah. Once you validate that experience, it's not just another fly by night, you know, site that just happened to come across a Facebook ad while they were scrolling for memes and viral videos. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> then all of a sudden the trust value goes up tremendously. And that's a huge Absolutely. learning tip. Just a big tip for today, guys, in case you don't do anything else. Take that advantage from today. Thanks, Jim, for coming on, man, and sharing some of your knowledge and wisdom. I appreciate it. It was a great call. Thank you.
0: Neil, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me.
1: If you like this episode, please share it with people you think will enjoy it as well. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode of High Voltage Business Builders.